Episode 1. Freedom. I was born a slave. A nobody. And so, I never knew what it was like, not to be owned by another. No one deserves this. My master was a man called Philemon, and we lived near Colossae around 50 AD. My simple birth resulted in me being part of the slave class, alongside freemen and citizens. Although slaves and freemen typically dressed the same, inwardly, we were very different. Our identity as slaves was something that we carried around with us, everywhere we went, and was in a real sense an invisible coat that we all wore. It represented our low status in society, our vulnerability, our non-personhood, and our existence as merely a utility at the pleasure of others. This is the state that I was born into. Both the slave and the freeman lived under the cloud of citizen privilege. So, while many freemen talked of their suffering as being similar to that of a slave, it was not. While the clothing of a freeman was outwardly very similar to that of a slave, the coat of a freeman represented a different world. The freeman was free, and so was at least a somebody. I was born restless and rejected the idea of being a slave. My restlessness was driven by a deep anger that I had towards the society in which I lived. My parents were slaves, and they were dead because they were slaves. I hated being a slave, and I despised the freedom that the other classes enjoyed. I had to change my situation. It was only a matter of time before my anger would be ignited in the wrong place and at the wrong time. And when this happens, it will probably cost me my life. The only way to escape my anger, to save myself, was to escape. I could not live as a slave. And so, I dreamed of being a freeman, and of wearing a freeman's coat. My dream became an obsession, resulting in me planning, and then executing an escape. It was all or nothing. And included stealing money that I needed to live and infiltrate myself into society as a freeman. The punishment for attempting this could be anything from harsh duties to death. But there was no other way. Death was a better option than slavery. I had to be free. And so, one a night, I escaped. Oh, the feeling of freedom. My clothes looked the same, but inwardly I wore a different coat. And I immediately felt good in my new freeman's coat. I was comfortable as a freeman, after all, everyone is comfortable when they are set free. For sure there were times, in the quiet of a still night, that there was a sense of unease. A still small voice deep within me sometimes questioned me. But it was clear to me that this unease was not about the past. Rather, it questioned me about whether there was more to life than the freedom that I had achieved. Like the man who conquers a mountain and feels so good about his conquest. But then as time goes by, realizes that he cannot live on the mountain he conquered, as he needs to conquer more mountains. I rested on the belief that we all have times when we feel this way. As regards my escape, there were no regrets, no thoughts about my previous life, not even towards those I left behind. My escape to freedom was a righteous triumph of the will, a personal justice, the making right of a wrong. I made my way to Troas. After all, everyone goes to a big city, and I needed to get well away from Colossae. Ephesus was too close, but Troas was far enough. If I needed to, I could always take a boat and go further west. I had a good story. It was so good that it became my reality, as I buried my past deep inside myself. Before long, I was able to tell my story, and almost believe it to be true. I made a living by trading basic food supplies, buying at the market, and then selling door to door. 
One day, while delivering to a regular customer, I opened the door to find that a stranger was visiting. I was told that he had arrived all the way from Jerusalem. The man seemed to be a teacher of some kind, and I watched as he engaged heartedly with those around him. He was not a big man, but his undersized outward stature was compensated by the warmth of his eyes and his oversized confidence. I had some spare time, so I hung around, listening to the interaction. It was interesting. Generally, I kept to myself. It is a thing most of us do when we are hiding something. But over the following few weeks, I found myself bumping into the preacher. Sometimes in the market, but mostly when I was selling supplies. Sometimes he was on his own, while at other times, he was in conversation with different groups of people. One day, we bumped into each other while he was delivering a tent, which he told me he had repaired. He was friendly and was as keen to know my story as I was keen not to reveal it. I had told my story many times, how I was a slave and had been granted my freedom for saving the life of my master's child. It was all a necessary lie. I had even managed to obtain a false record of this, and it worked. The key was to make it a short story, be vague about the exact location and name of my ex-master, and then change the subject, or claim that I needed to make an urgent delivery. This worked because everyone liked the story and wanted it to be true. I suspect that the preacher sensed that I wanted to keep my distance, so he did not push me beyond my comfort zone. And that he somehow knew there would be a day when my pretense to urgently deliver food to others would be overridden by my now obvious curiosity about him, his friends and the conversations that were being had. This day came. It was a conversation about the importance of a man called Jesus. I had heard the name Jesus mentioned many times, and I remembered rumors of a teacher with this name from Jerusalem while I was still a slave. What helped me was that this conversation was between the preacher and others, so I was not directly part of the discussion. I was more on the outside looking in. The conversation centered around how special Jesus was, that he came to earth, not as a man sent by God like a prophet or soothsayer or such like. Rather, as the preacher put it, he was a man who was God-wrapped in human flesh visiting man. At first, the very idea of God-wrapped in human flesh seemed utterly mad. But as I thought about it over the following weeks, there was a strange logic to the idea. My starting point was always skepticism toward any authority. This skepticism was deeply entrenched in my mind, even before my escape. For since the oracle got it so wrong, it was clear to those who thought clearly about these things, that all self-proclaimed prophets were, by definition, unreliable. For who can truly speak for the gods? Who can reach beyond themselves and touch the heavens? How could any such claim be tested? Who is so special that they can claim this link? Caesar claimed it, and while everyone played along, it was clear that the claim was about grabbing power and not having a real mandate from the gods. But a man who claimed to be God in flesh was not something I had ever imagined. It was based on the idea, that since man could not by his means connect himself to the heavens or the gods, the only way was for the heavens or the gods to visit man on earth, and communicate directly with him. While this approach was our far-fetched, it did deal with the problem of who can speak for the gods. While the idea was different at so many levels, I had to admit that it was possible. But there were problems. Not from his claim to be a god as other gods, or a god in the sense that all are gods, but rather from his claim to be part of the one god who created the world, and everything that is part of it. 4. How does God fit himself into human flesh? It was an idea very different to anything else I had heard of. 
What was interesting is that it could, at a certain level, be tested. As one would be testing the man, and not the claim to speak on behalf of the gods. The test would be to scrutinize the person making the claim. Inevitably, the person would be found to be either a power-grabbing liar or simply mad. Or maybe it was somehow possibly true. In the end, the test would boil down to his death. Because such a godman would surely not die as ordinary men die. Over the following months, I began to think of others who may have claimed to be God reaching out to mankind. Surprisingly, there seemed to be few candidates who were clearly not frauds or mad. The vast majority of religious leaders never claimed to be God but rather claimed only to be a spokesperson or intermediary for a God of some kind. Very few, if any, actually claimed to be God in human form, who had come to earth to speak as God to his creation. And so, my question to the preacher would be about the evidence. How was Jesus different? What made him and his life so special? This was something that I would chat to the preacher about at the right time. But it was a very tall order. My gut feel was that Jesus was probably another madman, and the preacher was somehow duped into peddling his ideas, much in the same way that I peddled food supplies. It brought a smile to my face. Despite my skepticism, as time went on, I began paying more attention to the discussions at the preacher's house, listening in on the conversations that the preacher was having with his visitors, who were citizens, freemen, and slaves from all over. In some way, all wanted to understand the person of Jesus better, and I found that the preacher was able to give good reasons to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Like a mosaic, the picture of Jesus, the man who claimed to be God wrapped in human flesh, slowly emerged. The fact that the preacher personally knew of more than 500 people who had seen him alive after he was killed by crucifixion stuck in my throat. Everyone knows that the Romans know how to kill people, and no one survives their crucifixion. And everyone knows that a true God does not die. The more I was told of his teachings, and his miracles, and the more I saw outward changes in the lives of those who believed, the more I became convinced. As an ex-slave, another point for me was the way Jesus treated those in power, the religious and political leaders. It seemed that he was more skeptical of them than I was. And so it was, on a normal day, while buying produce at the market, I realized that deep down I had come to believe in Jesus. I am not sure when it happened. But I knew I had come to a belief in what the preacher called the good news. It was in the act of verbalizing this belief, first to myself and then to others, that a peace unleashed itself over me. It was as though the voice of my conscience expanded itself within me and presented itself as a person. At this point, it became personal. It was weird, but a good weird. I suddenly had new knowledge. I now knew I was loved. I now knew I was accepted. I now knew I was not a mistake. I now knew I was forgiven. It was like an internal heart reset. I seemed to have met with God through believing in Jesus. I had a new spring in my step. I was a new being. The thing I remember most as I continued that day, was that in my heart I had experienced a deeper sense of freedom than when I first put on my freeman's coat. Realizing this was exhilarating. I had to tell someone. But who? And how? The preacher sensed the inward change almost immediately. And with it, came a practical change in my life. I continued with my deliveries, but I now always made the deliveries to the preacher my last delivery, so I could spend more time in conversation with him and the others who visited him. This routine continued for a few months, and my friendship with the preacher grew. 
During that time, I grew in knowledge of the good news, and soon too began sharing it with others. After some time, I found myself to be part of the preacher's team, peddling supplies only as a means to survive. Soon I began spending my evenings in other homes, sharing the story of Jesus. It was risky, in the sense that I was exposing myself and my story, but I was convinced that God was with me. After all, it was clear to me that God had enabled my escape from slavery so that I could meet the preacher and come to believe in Jesus. This being so, I was comfortable that God had supported the identity I had created for myself, and so would protect me.